one. There it is. All right. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to this special episode. I am super stoked. I'm super pumped. I've got just the coolest guest. All right. I'm not even going to jump into it. I, I don't want to ruin my own intro, so let's just jump right in. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real-life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. We're back. It is a beautiful, beautiful Thursday afternoon. We're here for this special day. If you are joining us for the first time today, just want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know that we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and sometimes on Thursdays. Uh, three opportunities every week for you to ask questions. So if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs and let me know or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Poly A. Let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect, and we're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com, sign up to share your imperfect story too. All right, that's my spiel. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on and introduce our guest. Our guest today really needs no introduction, as he is perhaps the leading voice in the polyamorous community when it comes to creating inclusive spaces and, and exploring the intersectionality of race and polyamory. Our incredible guest is driven by a desire to change the way our lives and communities are viewed, and he spent the last several years creating the most diverse and inclusive platform for members of the polyamorous community to share their stories. Knowing that his work is far from over, our guest has extended his project into nationwide speaking engagements, and in addition to writing the cornerstone book on race and polyamory, he's continuing to write stories that span across universes and create representation wow. for the marginalized people in ours. I'm so excited to chat with someone who's opened the eyes of so many people, including my own, to the inherent problems that need to be addressed in our communities every single day. Joining us today from Poly Role Models and Unfuck Your Polyamory, author of Love's Not Colorblind and the Four Hire series, welcome to the show, Kevin A. Patterson. <laughs> Wow, like I'm I'm impressed by that guy. That guy sounds interesting. That guy is amazing. That guy is the guy that I have sitting uh, uh, next to me on screen. Uh <laughs> <laughs> hey, yep. it's appreciated. It's appreciated. Thank you for thank you for um thank you for having me on. Oh man, it, it is it is my honor um to get a chance to chat with you. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh you know, I think I'm gonna start off by by just kind of asking you. What was it? I mean, you you heard the series that I've been doing, uh, the series of inter interviews that I've been doing about creating inclusive communities, yeah. and you actually reached out to me, which is like mind-blowing for me, um, but you actually reached out to me and wanted to come on and continue this conversation. What what was it that you wanted me to know or our audience to know? There was, um, so, um, 
you had uh, Olivia Fermi on, uh, and I got tagged on Instagram. So I was like, okay, well, somebody's reading my book. Let me see what's going on there. Because, like, although I get sort of treated like a like a like an internet celebrity, I'm I always feel like I'm shouting into the void. So when somebody mm-hmm. tags me, I'm always interested. When someone's like, hey, we're gonna use this book for a book club, I'm always interested. Like I always want to see what the conversation is. So I I watched um both videos and actually I just finished watching your most recent video uh where you were speaking about like uh you sort of embracing your heritage and like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to take part in that conversation. Yeah, well thank you so much for uh doing so. Um what was it about those conversations that stood out to you that you wanted to address? Honestly, the thing that w- that the thing that 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 uh that I wanted to reach out about the most was you had said in one of those videos that you um that you see it as like victims victims or victors and that you don't uh-huh. see yourself as a victim and i remember hearing that and feeling like i was like i was kind of shocked by it it was really upsetting when i heard it and okay. uh, and like i wanted to kind of like like i wanted to talk about that and and sure. like sort of a lot of the stuff surrounding that sure uh yeah. so i guess i'll i'll give you uh, my perspective on that. Um, and it comes from, I think I, I, I have this mentality of either I create my reality or it's created for me, right? When it comes to victims versus victors, uh, I, I'm not the type of person that just lets life happen to me. I make life happen. And so that's what I mean by not wanting to play the victim, not wanting to be the victim, I'm always going to try and make things better for myself and not allow anything else to get in my way. I think what, what, um, what made me like, what, what struck out to me about that was that victims and victors, that's a, that's a value judgment, you know, Mm -hmm. that's like, that's winners or losers. And We all, like all of us, if you're if you're a if you're a person of color in America, we're all subject to, we're all scarred by, we're all marked by white supremacy in one way or another. And I it really struck me as as upsetting as a value judgment based on how much we're willing to accept or ignore or deal with or how much we can endure when the problem isn't a matter of our strengths, you and I as people of color, but the problem is white supremacy as a construct that exists. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So like, like I've got, like, I know black folks who will, they do not want to socialize with white folks. They will not have white partners. They, you know, they, they, uh, they avoid that like the plague. And like, I've got some white partners for me. It's like, I've got some white partners, but I've got to vet them harder for fear of white supremacy. Right. And then I've no other black folks who are like, I don't give a fuck. I'm dating who I want. I'm not vetting anybody in any different way. And I don't feel like I'm any better or worse I'm not any more or less a victim or a victor than any of those folks, mm-hmm. especially when like, and I think you, I think like, th- and I don't know if you spotted it, but like there was a progression in your, in you mm-hmm. from one video to the next. Um, there was a progression in like how much of, I mean, and just as a viewer, like uh, what you internalize is your own business. But as a viewer, it felt like there was more of a, 
a willingness to embrace your Mexican culture from yes. one video to the next video. And like, whether you call it victimhood or, or victorship, if that's a word that I'm making up <laughs> on the spot, like, assimilation is a, is the same is the same um, assimilation is a response in the same way that like avoidance is, you know, assimilation, like, like for me, I'm, I'm always face front talking about white supremacy and getting in mm -hmm. people's faces and pointing out what the problem is. And if I decide that, like, if I decide that like proximity to whiteness or ignoring, uh, ignoring systemic oppression, if I decide to do that, that's still a response. That's still an answer. It's still, shaping yourself around white supremacy in one way, whether in opposition to or in parallel parallel uh um traveling with, you know, there's it's still it's still shaping your way around it one way or the other. So like we're all affected by it. I just it struck me it struck me really hard to see it as a value judgment um of like strength versus weakness, victims versus victors. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, and and thank you for uh, noticing that. I definitely have been working to embrace this uh, culture, this heritage of mine more and more, um, because I I'm realizing, I'm recognizing that I can't just deny it, right? I think um, for a long time, for the majority of my life, I have been trying to deny it. I've been trying to um, not identify with that and just identify with, as I've mentioned, American. Yeah. And uh, to your point, what you were saying about some of your partners who don't necessarily discriminate or, you know, will have partners of any race or whatever and place ourselves on an equal uh, place themselves on, on, on what they consider to be an equal playing field. I think that I try to take that mentality as well, but I also can't deny that, you know, white supremacy over the past, millennia or two has affected our society today does affect our communities does affect you know everything that is our you know th th that we're surrounded by yeah and that's you know that's what i'm learning and and trying to address in my own in my own path on this platform especially yeah Cause that reckoning comes for all of us. And it's a, it's a scary thing. Like, like um, if you turn on, if you turn on any of these like really hardcore conservative news networks, there's always that one black person that they only bring in to talk about black issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when they do, they're always speaking negatively about like whatever, like the, the consensus is about like um about oppression from, from the side of like black folks. You know, it'll be like Fox News. They bring in the one black person to say, "Well, I don't see what the problem is. There's no racism Candace, here." Whatever yeah. name is, yeah, and those like two twins. Yep, yep. But the reckoning comes for all of us, you know. And I rem like um, there was a uh, the 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 black woman um, Omarosa, who I went to. I think I might have went to college with, or we went to the same oh. college. I don't know if we were there at the same time, but there was a point where the you know, she was working for the Trump administration. And then there was a point where she was writing a tell all book about the Trump administration mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that reckoning came for her. There was a point where her proximity to whiteness 
did not save her from 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 racism and sexism, you know? And that comes for all of us. No matter how hard we ride for white supremacy or try to pretend that like that um that our our race isn't going to matter in the situation, there at some point the cops come looking for us. At some point, somebody says something to us. At some point, we can't get a house that we know that we qualify for, or we or a job or a job turns us away for mm-hmm. you know, that for a reason that has nothing to do with our qualifications. That comes for all of us, you know. And like, I'm always trying to like prepare people. Like, I know I don't avoid white folks because, like I said, I've got I've got white partners, I've got white friends, and so on. But like, I'm always going to be on the lookout because at some point someone might say something to me. Someone like, like one of my closest partners ever, at some point she needed a scary black guy for her story. And I became that scary black guy, you know, like, like she modeled it after you, you mean? No, no. I mean, like, without going into all of her details, because that's not my place, there was a point where there was a point where she was trying to turn a lot of people against one another. And mm-hmm. so despite the fact that I had been like her rock and her stability point for like three years, she needed me to be a scary black guy. If she was going to get sympathy from other people. So all of a sudden it was like, Oh my God, Kev's scary. He's dangerous. And wow. the other white folks in it, there were other white folks in her community who I had all been cool with, who I had been friend friends and friendly with all of a sudden they were like, yeah, hmm, he must be scary. Hmm. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you know, the yeah. second, this, like, I'm, I'm very much a laugh to keep from crying guy. I'm, I'm always, I'm oh. I'm always chilling. I'm always relaxed, you know, but the second, the second she needed, the second she needed to model me into a scary black guy, she, you know, it, it happened. It happened like that. And there were, and there were, there were lots of white people who were willing to believe lots of white people who I had spent significant time with who immediately were able to believe that I was, I was the scary, dangerous black guy, because that's what the stereotypes all say that I am, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So no, go I've ahead. Al- yeah, go ahead. So I've always got to be. I've always got to be on the lookout for that. Like I've always, as a black guy in America, I've always got to be like. I've always got to do the metrics in my head. I've mm-hmm. always got to do the math on anything anybody says around me for fear of for fear of racial violence. You know. Absolutely. I'm. I'm listening and I hear that. And this thing that always rings in my head, uh, this lesson that, that I learned uh, from, from my ex is just because I don't see it, just because I don't experience it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Uh, the reckoning that you're talking about, the, uh, the denial of jobs or loans or all these other things, I personally have never experienced any of that. But I, I know and I recognize that it does yeah. happen. And I think that that's, that's a conversation. That's a... Um, that's a that's a stopping point for a lot of folks, you know, people yes. that that uh, will, you know, support the Trump administration, for example. Right. And be like, oh, you know, he's saying this or that, you know, about Mexicans and whatever. But he's not racist. He hires, you know, all <laughs> kinds of people, yeah. you know, like those are people that just that that almost I, I want to say stick their head in the sands and say, I don't see it. So it doesn't exist. 
and 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 that's sort of why that's sort of why I wanted to like talk about the victors versus victims part of that because mm-hmm. a lot of folks who, who a lot of folks who have never seen racism in their own lives we all want to be the heroes of our own stories all of yes. us every single one of us so uh, so like i've known black folks who have just for some somehow have avoided racism and they feel like they've done something right you know mm. to avoid it it's not that racism doesn't it's not that it's not that uh you know whether racism exists or not it's if you do what i've done in my life you know if you've succeeded in yes. the way that i've succeeded okay. you could avoid all of these pitfalls when really oh. it's just that white supremacy exists and you th- you know you know through the grace of god were able to slip through damn. the fingers damn you you're hitting me so hard right now because i'm One of the things that I talked about uh, on my show yesterday on that episode that you mentioned uh, is had I not been born in America, had I been born uh, in Mexico, had I been a Spanish speaker, you know, coming into this country, I would not have the opportunities that I do today. The fact that I speak English fluently and uh, I mean, I don't want to say that I'm white passing. I don't necessarily think that I am, but, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, well-spoken i guess and and i can you know have these conversations i can find myself you know in a crowd of of white people and and feel comfortable like not not necessarily like an outsider because i'm i'm so maybe assimilated here but if i had an accent if i had a hard spanish accent if i didn't have the words uh because my education was from a if your name wasn't james if my name was jose yeah you're absolutely right because i remember I, totally I don't remember different. the name of the guy but there was a guy who would like change his resume from like jose to like joe uh-huh and the amount of job offers and job interviews he got like skyrocketed mm-hmm. from that point forward you know like my name is my name is kevin so like that's something that i if my name was kareen that's a different right. story yep. and like i hate it but like that would that factored in when my wife and i were naming our own kids and granted we named our kids after comic book characters, but like I love that it. was, but that was, but that was part of the factor, you know? It, yeah. And that's, that speaks to that victim versus victor. It's, it's not necessarily anything that I've done. It's something that even my parents did by giving me this generic name that, you know, gives me that opportunity that others others may not have just because of something that simple yeah of a name like i'm 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 here i'm here speaking to you and and i'm recognized as someone who's like a I, I never call myself an expert cuz i feel like all i do is ever really talk about myself but like i'm people see me as an expert on the subject i've got a colleague who is just as smart if not smarter than me but because they run into financial um financial um uh drawbacks that i don't people know my name more than they know this 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 colleague of mine you know and i'm not trying to put anybody on the spot which is why i'm like specifically not saying their name but like there are times where we both get um accepted to speak somewhere and i can make it there because i can afford you know travel fare and they can't and now my my word is getting out there in a way that there theirs isn't. And mm-hmm. it would be really easy of me to say, well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what th- why they're not doing what they're supposed to do. 
it would be really easy of me to try to make it a personal success of mine and a personal failing of theirs, but that's not really what's happening there, you know? Yeah, you uh, you talk about similar situations in your book. Um, just that first analogy, one of the first analogies that you give of somebody, two different people smacking their foot on a tub and one of them breaks their foot, has this whole life-changing trauma. The other one just stubs their toe, no big deal. And they're going back and forth and saying, well, I don't understand why you can't just get up and walk around. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... uh. The, the the identity politics is really funny in that way where a lot of us don't really see outside of ourselves and a lot of us get really defensive when we talk about it, which is why I'm glad we're able to like have like a chill conversation about it because like when I had a, a leadership position in my local polyamory community, um, one of the things we wanted to do was to focus on people who were underrepresented. Like we wanted to make sure that women were getting, were getting seen. We wanted to make sure that queer folks, trans folks, people of color are being seen and represented in our leadership. And when we did that, the cisgender heterosexual white dudes of our community, not all of them, of course, but enough of them became like such a loud minority who were so upset that the established way of things wasn't being respected. And there was nothing we could really do about that. Like when I hosted things that were specifically for people of color, you know, white folks got mad. They never told me they were mad. They told other white folks who eventually got around to telling me, Mm. you know, it was always Mm. like, how come I can't go to this black Panther movie night? It's like, sorry, you know, talk to Kevin about it, which they never did, you know, how come I can't go to Kev's house for this? She's got to have it uh, watching party. Talk to Kev. They never talked to Kev. They were just ang- angry and white about it. You know, yeah. there was nothing. There were things they could have done, like talk to me directly. And I would have explained it to them, but they never did. You know? Yep. So I want to ask you about that, uh, because that, that's been uh, certainly a goal of mine to create more of an inclusive community here on the podcast. Uh, I, I want to get more of these black, queer, trans voices. Um, you know, I, I, I made a, a little bit of a mistake, I guess. When I started the show, I reached out to some folks in a couple of different uh, Facebook groups that I was in. That worked out for a little bit. But really quickly, I was running out of guests. So I went to polyfriendly.org and I just emailed everybody there. Yeah. And so the majority of my show has been people from the polyfriendly.org website. And you can see what the uh, demographic is there. So like I'm really uh, looking forward to doing a, a second season of the show uh, in 2022. But I want it to be a lot more representative of our community i want to lift up more of these um voices that haven't been heard here yet so for for my show and for everybody who is creating any kind of a community how do we do that how do we create that uh that inclusivity i mean i i I know from your book if i'm not being actively inclusive i'm being passively exclusive so what do we all have to do to create these communities and make them diverse you know i didn't think a whole lot about that line when i wrote it 
but man, that's that is the line that that really resonates with people. I'm I'm shocked at how often people repeat that back to me. Um, <laughs> hey, bravo, good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad anything I said resonated with anybody. Really, what I would say is. Don't reach out to people because they're black. Reach out to people because they're awesome. You know, reach out mm-hmm. to people like be, put yourself put yourself in places and build your own reputation uh, as as a safe as a safe person to talk to. Um, like uh, when I did poly role models, like I never reached out to anybody because of like uh, because they had an identity that like was a, like a missing piece of the of the interview series. It was always let me reach out to people who have who have good work, people whose poly, whose polyamory looks awesome, po- whose whose uh, relationship structures look stable and successful. You know, um, uh, I used to say like um, imp- it was something the the perfectly perfectly imperfect or i don't even remember the the tagline of the of my blog it's been a while since it's been active but like i'd reach out to people like perfectly flawed and something or other i'd reach out to people who looked like they knew what they were doing it looked like they were having a good time and i could find those people in so many different places that i wouldn't get like a who's who of white folks and not just that, but I'd always ask people, who are who are you inspired by? Who are you oh, into? Nice. So when I'd reach out to say Ron Young, who was like the president of uh the, the organization Black and Poly, Ron Young, like um, he was in the blog, and then he was able to say, like, hey, I know dude, these two or three people who who inspire me, or these two or three people who I learn from or who I like, you know? Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I was able to get several people from from uh from Black and Poly into into the interview series and like poly role models i don't know if it still is but it was like when i when i was hosting it was one of the most inclusive displays of polyamory anywhere and not because i was trying particularly hard for that it was just the bar was really low and just being able to like meet and befriend people in these spaces I could trust them to have a good story to tell and they could trust me to be able to portray it without bias. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to make sure that I don't, uh, you know, how did you say it? Um, don't, don't reach out to people specifically to fit, uh, uh, an identity or, or anything like that. I definitely don't want to do that. Um, but whether it's for my podcast or for our you know, in-person communities that anybody might be creating, we do want to make sure to reach out to specific marginalized people to create, you know, this, this, uh, this space where everybody can meet. I, I mean, at least that's, that's what I'm gathering because the way that I'm thinking about it is if we don't specifically reach out, like if I don't go specifically, let's say to a black and poly group or, or something similar to try and get black voices on the show, I'm going to wind up in the same situation that I had this season where I get a whole bunch of white people on the show. I think you should, I think you should focus on the idea that if you're in a space that's all white, why are you in that space? Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if, if, if you're, if, if you're someone who has a platform, if you're, if you're a thought leader, if you're, a, if, if you're an educator in these spaces, why would you want to be in a space that's, that's, that's all white? 
mm-hmm. where for me, me being in black and poly groups isn't about finding people for, for my, my interview series. And it wasn't even about me being black. It's I'm polyamorous. I can, I can exist in multiple communities and I want to, I want to exist in multiple communities. I want to learn about multiple communities, Mm -hmm. not just for the sake of my work, but for the sake of myself and the sake of my soul and understanding what, what more is there where I identify as queer. Now, when I started this work, I didn't, I identify as straight, but I was still in a lot of queer friendly sex positive spaces, Mm -hmm. not because I needed anything from those spaces particularly, but because I wanted to, I, like, I wanted to sit back and see what, you know, mm-hmm. what this was about. I wanted to absorb a culture that I wasn't a part of. And then like when, when my own attraction started to move around and queer sounded more authentic than straight, I was already in those spaces and I already sort of understood a little bit of the language, a little bit of the language, a little bit of the culture, but that was, like the reason I was there was because I wanted to see what other pe- how other people were doing, what what I could learn, mm-hmm. not for a blog, but for myself, you know. Yes, absolutely, and and I totally agree with that, and and you know, um, that that resonates really, that resonates a lot with me because it is about for me, it's, I mean, yes, I want to interview people on the show, yes, I want to keep doing this, and I want to keep doing this work, I and I, and I want the voices that. Uh, speak here to be diverse to um, you know one of my goals with this was for a lot of different people to be able to identify with uh, the folks that I wind up talking to so like that is I guess an ulterior motive if you will but my main motive my main you know mission is for me it really is to sit down and 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 just learn about different people and talk to different people and hear different voices and you know it expands me it it helps me grow you know yeah. especially like like you know this series that I've been doing where I get to even just explore my own heritage through learning about everyone else's which was which has been which has been actually really interesting to watch like from from video one to the the your most recent video before this one we're doing right now it's been really interesting to watch like i actually just got a chance to be like knee deep in mexican culture and like one of my one of my partners is mexican and they took me out to uh where they grew up in dallas and san antonio as part of um their their grandfather had a birthday party and so we went down there to be a part of the family and like being knee deep in mexican culture was really fantastic i ate real good that weekend (laughs) you know (laughs) i get to i got to hang out and listen to mariachis really go for it you Uh know Uh and what was amazing to me was how similar this family feel felt like m- the way my own uh Jamaican family feels you know mm-hmm. i'm i'm talking with my i'm talking with my partner's uncles and i'm like this feels like my uncles you know i'm talking like i'm i, I met my 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 partner's grandmother and i'm like this is that grandma feel that i get from my own rest in peace my own um my own grandmother and so just being able to to be a part of that so like is it my culture no, but like I, but I got a lot out of that, and 
So when when you were saying that you don't really identify with your own Mexican culture, I was like I was kind of sad for you because I'm like it's fantastic. It's such a fantastic culture from the outside looking in. You get a better you get a better window to it than I do. I have a lot to learn about my old about my own culture. Uh, I have a lot of digging in to do uh, to really be able to take pride in it. You know, because like I said uh, yesterday, you know the the the. Mexican culture that I saw as a kid was just the 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 dirty you know Tijuana yeah. border and all that stuff. Blood I really in, didn't... blood out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great movie still. Yeah, um, no, I I, I I just watched it a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. But you know, but now you know, having you even you talking about like mariachi music, you know, that's that's even something that you know I have an opportunity to dig deeper in. And and really take pride in what what it means to be Mexican, what what really like the real heritage and the real culture uh, that that's available to me that I still can can learn about. Um, Kevin, no. this has been. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Um, something something else that that really that really came to mind. And in, 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 in what you were saying is that like, OK, so my family is West Indian. Uh, my, my mother's from Jamaica. My dad is from Guyana. A lot of the black folks who I've encountered, I'm a first generation American. Um, and I went to I went to uh, Howard University, which is a historically black college. And a lot of a lot of the black folks that I'd meet were descendants of the American South. So mm -hmm. their version of blackness looked different than my version of blackness. And which would cause like, you know, like which would cause like some sort like sometimes it would cause like some sort of um conflict where I would be seen as not black enough in some circles and overly black in other circles. And I know like I know and know of enough black folks who have been told that they're not black enough who then rejected blackness as a result. Something that I did was, for me, it was never about um, rejecting blackness when, you know, when, when, when I encountered the, those sort of situations. It was more like expanding blackness. Like even with even with polyamory, where like if I tell you know like if I'm in a if I'm in in black centered spaces and I mention my polyamory, there's always going to be at least one person that says, "But isn't that that white people shit?" <laughs> and it's like right. I understand where you're coming from. I understand how you might feel that way. Representation is a real bitch, but also I'm black and polyamorous, so it's not that I'm doing white people shit. I'm expanding what black people shit looks like. You know, and the same can be true for 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 you and your and your Mexicanity in that like it's not that you're avoiding Mexican shit, you're expanding what it looks like, you know? You're 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 you you being brown it can be as valid as as Danny Trejo's brown being brown, you know? Right. It could just look it could look different and it can expand it can expand what the range is. I love it. I love it. Wow. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for, uh, for that, for, um, I, I guess giving me permission to just be me and, uh, and, and embrace who I am. Uh, and, and I don't know, I guess I love what Mexican means to me. Yeah. <laughs> You 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 gotta edit how you feel about that food though, not because of not because of like Mexican culture, just because it's such good food. 
Oh no, 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 no. I've, I've, I've grown up. I've grown okay. up. I love okay. tamales now. I, I, I love pozole. Uh, still not a big fan of, of, uh, menudo, but I can, I've, I can tolerate it at least. I've got a dozen, I've got a dozen tamales in my freezer right now that I brought back from San Antonio. Nice. <laughs> nice. You enjoy those. You enjoy those. Uh, Kevin, before we uh, head off here, is there anything that I missed? Anything that you wish that I had asked you? Any last things, uh, final thoughts you want to leave for the audience? No, no. We covered everything that I had uh, I had written down. Perfect, then. Uh, in that case, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, if people want to chat with you, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm Poly Role Models on everything. I'm Poly Role Models on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And um, I'm not on Tumblr very often, but I'm t- I'm still Poly Role Models on Tumblr. Um, my books are my books are available any um, digitally any um, anywhere books are sold. You can check out KevinAPatterson.com for that. And I teach classes with Dr. Liz Powell at UnfuckYourPolyamory.com. Can you tell me a little bit about those classes, right quick? Well, Dr. Liz and I, like, we both have, we both have some, like, really well-respected books, and um, they're really great because uh, Dr. Liz has, like, a very academic background, and I've got more of a conversational tone, but we teach, we teach classes, we have right now available, like, a six-week webinar, it's a, it's an online webinar, you can watch it anytime you want, but it covers, like, one oh it covers one oh one beginner stuff it covers metamore relationships setting boundaries it covers uh power dynamics whether by way of like kink power dynamics or identity power dynamics because both of those are two different things but both are really important to talk about it's um it goes from like one oh one to six oh one level uh topics and it's pay as you it's pay as you go or not pay as you go it's um pay what you can uh, okay. at unfuckyourpolyamory.com. Like the suggested price is $300 because it's six, it's six hours worth of content that you can keep and watch whenever you want. But if you can't afford $300, you can come in under that number and, and, uh, and get that as well. And that's more about that creating that inclusivity that you always talk about. Absolutely. Kevin, once again, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. It has been such an honor, such a pleasure to get to chat with you. I really appreciate you hanging out with me today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I had a good time. Of course. And as always, thank you to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can be said for the podcast download. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, right here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we've got for you all today. Thank you as always. Thank you again, Kevin. And until next time, until next week. Have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.